Welcome back to the Stag Raw podcast. Have you left the rating? Thanks, team. I think we're nearly at uh, 950 followers there on Spotify, but we're only around 50 five-star reviews. So uh, if you're one of them or you're new around here, that's what we do. Slap those five stars. It takes about two seconds. And uh, that helps get this out to more ears. So more people can hear from absolute legends. Holy hecker. What a conversation this is. With uh, G.H. Hill, um, who is the co-founder and owner, head coach there in Kirikiri at the Fitness Lab. Uh, you can check out his links in the show notes. Came to us recommended by uh, previous guest Ryan today. And uh, G.J. helps out with the Frozen Few Runners Club if you're up there in the Bay of Islands in the far north. Well, not quite far north, in the Northland. Um, yeah. What a story. So tune into this because you'll uh, you'll leave this with a bit of gratitude and uh, live every day a little bit more uh, present, I'd imagine. Crikey dicks, what a story. If you or your loved one have some aches and pains setting in or an injury that needs support to heal, consider topping up your body with Kane's Deer Velvet. It's packed full of amazing nutrients that the body uses in maintaining the immune system bones, joints, circulation, and general well-being. Find out more at www.canesdearvelvet.com. If you punch the code STAGOR252 in at checkout, you'll get an introductory 20% discount. Oh, not long left of Drink Element coming into this country. June 21st is when that ends international shipping, unfortunately. Um, but you can get your hands still on a free sample of Drink Element with drinkelement.com slash stagraw. Um, and yeah, such a shame. Um, international shipping is free if you're doing an order over $100 US. So you might want to stock up before that ends um, and hopefully they can solve that international logistics and we can get more drink element into New Zealand. There's a new flavor on the way. Um, so yeah, you might want to hang around for that too. And of course, Arepa, the world's smartest brain food, 100% natural, caffeine-free effects you can feel. Stagraw will get you 20% off that when you're ordering on their website. You can also find them in supermarkets, dairies, service stations, um, that caffeine-free brain food. Uh, check it out, drink Arepa. Right, let's get into this. Hold on to your hats. What a great conversation we have here with GJ Hill. Enjoy. DJ, kia ora, mate. I um, got recommended to you by Mr. Ryan today. I, I hear you um, put him through his paces a few times a week, man. <laughs> he goes pretty hard, eh? But um, he's um, he's always keen, always up for it, and um, he enjoys the push. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose he, he um, is still looking for that drill sergeant to give him a kick up the ass. So, do you, do you take on that persona? Yeah, I'd, I mean, I definitely played a different people's personalities and he's one of those personalities that um likes a strong leader so actually i i enjoy people like him because I can't get him so much shit. <laughs> he just cops it eh? he just takes it and, and then does better because of it you know 
Yeah. How long have you owned the gym for? Um, so it's a bit of a, like the actual space room at the moment, we're actually coming up a year on the 21st of May. Um, but like that, I've, I've had a group before, prior to that for about 18 months to two years. So it's like, it's coming up three years with this, like a group and that sort of followed me to each, each sort of place. And, um, this is our kind of like our forever home now that we're now. <laughs> And so has it always been kitty kitty for you or well yeah i was i've been in kitty kitty for uh five years now and um i came from gold coast i was in, in australia for eight years spent seven years in perth before a year in gold coast and then uh uh new zealand before that where actually i was from originally from whangarei but spent a lot of time in um in auckland grew up in auckland and um did my high school in Whangarei, but then went to boarding school at Rotorua Boys. And Rotorua. Well, were, you, were you far from family there? or like? Yeah, I was. So, yeah, uh, my parents were in Whangarei at the time. So, um, yeah, it was good. I, I remember I just got my driver's license. It was like a six-hour six <laughs> drive <laughs> um, down to boarding school, yeah. And so was that to uh, hit golf balls or, or play rugby or both? Because they're either into the spectrum, man. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It was to hit, hit golf balls at the time. Um, I was it was a pretty like like quiet sort of a kid, and um, and uh, didn't really um, do well with the aggression in rugby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it actually suited me at the time to play golf, and I um, got really good at golf um, down there actually at the academy. What did, what did that look like? Because you, you hear about it that, you know, I, I've yeah. had Ryan, Co- Ryan Cox on here who, who went to St. Peter's for both golf yes. and, and then turned into rugby, um, you know, still playing prop out there. But um, yeah. what, what was what was Rotorua's system like? Um, it was actually kind of loose, but, like, we would have um, academy every day and it just meant that we would get coaching. Uh, we had a coach on site. And um, some some days that meant that if it was during the day, we'd have basically an hour of sort of swing coaching. But if it was um, program at the end of the day, we'd have like afternoon off and go play golf with this coach. Um, and then we'd often go um, like get a whole day off basically and take the whole academy to play golf somewhere in the Bay of Plenty. But then also because the school had done so well, like we did overseas trips as well. We went to um, Trans-Tasman and things like that because we had, I don't know if you name the name Danny Lee, but we had yeah. Danny Lee, yeah, a year below me. Um, so yeah, I basically grew up in his era, and um, yeah, he was, he, was <laughs> he just saw us through everything basically because we won like we won school boys and all that sort of stuff. For you know, New Zealand's best school at golf, mainly due to Danny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty cool system. It was um, oh, didn't do much schooling eh, when I was down there. A lot of golf. <laughs> what what was the outlook like? Did did you just sort of have some sort of pathway to get over to Europe or the states, or? Yeah, I actually I actually got a full ride offered to me. Um, what they call it the full ride, um, uh, Southeastern Louisiana University, um, and I, I was lucky enough to sort of pick that up when I was playing golf in Texas, playing for New Zealand. Uh, basically, a selector came to me from the school, but um, <laughs> it didn't end. I didn't end up going. I kind of. Um, I stay. I decided to stay in New Zealand for another six months, and then went to Australia. And I don't know. It was hard at the time. I, I was half. I was half in and half out of golf at the time, to be honest. So, um, 
And I, that's when I started partying and everything. And um, <laughs> obviously, partying would have been a lot better over in, in the States. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking at the time. But um, John Daly, yeah. eat your heart out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, like, I didn't really, I actually didn't have my first drink till I was 19. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Once it hits your lips. So. <laughs> yeah. Dear idea. And so, what, you went to Western Australia instead? Is that what happened? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so how did you go from swigged sticks to uh, lifting tin, man? <laughs> yeah. Well, not, was, not, tin, not tins, tin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually was um, overweight. Looked a big guy I was about 15. And um, I, I don't know. I I think um, actually in the golf community, they told me I should um, start going to the gym in a kind way, you know, maybe to lose some weight because I was pretty big. And... Um, I think I was 115 kilos when I was 14, so I was very big. <laughs> and um, I By got what height? Do you remember? Oh yeah, and I wasn't that tall. Like I, I, I would have been. Well, you know, for that weight, five ten, five eleven. And um, and then I just yeah, I, I really fell in love with the gym. I fell in love with lifting weights. I, I used to run a lot then. I just fell in love with running. I don't run as much now. <laughs> um and um yeah I, I slimmed out and everything and um yeah just I, I just fell in love with the routine of the gym i actually yeah i pretty much got obsessed with it when you know in, you know, in my late teenage years and that um and it's obviously carried on now but it's given it's given me like awesome habits you know now and I, I actually couldn't i didn't know i didn't realize it back then but you know mentally it's so rewarding uh, and i couldn't live without it now because purely because mentally um, it helps me so much. I'm an absolute asshole if I don't work out. Um, <laughs> and my wife knows that too. Like I start, like I need, I get real agitated by about one pm. So it's good to get an early workout in for me, and I'm good for the rest of the day. Yeah. So you're on, you're on Sasha's um, channel here. <laughs> um, did, did you guys meet through the gym, or that's just a shared passion, man? Um, just a shared passion. Yeah. She, uh, I met her uh, in Auckland when she was at university, and that, and. Um, yeah, I guess she was actually, she's been through a little bit too, actually, like, uh, you know, with sort of eating disorders and things like that. And I think that's why she understands women so well. She, um, yeah, was very thin and um, didn't actually train that much, but then got into the gym and realized, you know, what her body could do rather than trying to be skinny, which a lot, you know, mm. a lot of females struggle with. I know a lot of males do too, but um, yeah, predominantly females get troubled by that. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely interesting, and and you also, you know, the whole leeway for for calories and stuff becomes so much better, and, and you know, yeah. you can you can get on on board that protein. And I know um, Mickey Willardin was also always going on about get on the protein, get on the protein, and all these people go, oh, no, I don't want to get picky. It's like, well, you know, make prioritize your calories, and um, yeah. if you if you're active, well, then guess what, you get more calories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> What what do you feel the responsibility is like when you when you're in a facility and you're working with a group? How how do those sort of conversations get broached? It's so funny you brought this up because we we're talking about this the other day. Um, yeah, it's uh, like I've been real careful about how I talk about food and training and all that because like we've got some like extremely committed people that will literally. They would they would train all day every day if you let them get carried away basically. And it's <laughs> cool. And it's really cool. You've got like you've got some seriously. I'm so I've never been in a gym like it. 
I'm not saying it because it's ours. We've, we've got some people that are just so bloody committed, um, and it makes it makes for a pretty it's a it's a welcoming environment, but it can be quite competitive. And I don't I just have to watch what I say and what I do and everything, um, because they um, will tend to do whatever I tell them. <laughs> so like they'll completely break themselves to do certain things for me. Uh, well, you know, for the plan or for the program. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We've had nutrition seminars, which um, Sash took, and training seminars. You know, just because there's so much out there on social media um, about what you should and shouldn't be doing, it's pretty easy to get caught up. So mm -hmm. we've just had some real honest conversations and talked about our own backgrounds and our own struggles because we have struggled in the past and still do. You know, because we're all human. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that don't know. Well, you know, we all know how to eat but don't know how to eat at the same time because we all have emotions in there and emotions come into play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nice. So um, one of the key things Ryan said, you know, you've been been through non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. We've had, we've had um, oh, gosh, I keep forgetting his name. He's on the West Coast. I'll, I'll figure it out again. But um, and he, he sort of had to deal with graft-host disease. What, what was your sort of time frame of when the condition came about? and what was sort of thrown at your stage four, right? That's pretty daunting. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you want to run us through it, man, and I'm sure you've probably spoken about it too much. <laughs> uh, it's it's good because um, I get it, I get approached a lot from people who are going through a similar a lot often, so it's quite nice to sort of reach out if I can. Um, so we, um, we came back from Africa, awesome trip to Africa, um, felt a little bit tired over there and thought I had malaria. So I was dosing myself up for malaria and things like that. And I um, had this cough that just persisted and would not go away. Um, and I got sick a few times. There were flu-like symptoms. But um, I was going to the gym and just getting, like, more and more tired, weaker and weaker. And I just thought, oh, you've been soft. Something, you know, you just need to keep going. You'll be all right. And it'll shake it off. And um, had antibiotics and all, and all this sort of stuff. And actually went to the doctor and they dismissed it as asthma um which was a bit upsetting but it is what it is um and um eventually uh what happened i actually went for a police test did the two point i think it was a 2.4k run mm -hmm. and just missed the time and i was like what the hell i can do this like it was it was easy it was meant to be like i think i was meant to run under 11 minutes for 2.4ks or something like that and i'd done it easy before and i was like something really wrong with me um, and I went in for a respiratory test as part of the police test, and I blew like a quarter of what mm. I was supposed to do. Like, couldn't blow. And then the doctor said, "We're going to send you for a chest X-ray." And um, yes, yeah, so got sent for a chest X-ray, and um, within this time, like, man, this is like real quick turnaround. Like, this is within a couple of weeks. I went out for dinner, couldn't really eat dinner, couldn't breathe. And um, the next morning was a Saturday, and I just remember getting a phone call from our family friend, who's also a doctor. I thought, we're ringing on Saturday, this can't be good. I just remember mm. sitting up out of bed and I was like looking at the phone, almost started crying before it, because I like had obviously searched up Google and yeah, Google had come up with actually cancer, like, you know, all these things. And um, uh, yeah, he said, oh, Gary, can you come into the doctor's office? And I said, oh, what's wrong? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, I got to talk to you in person. I said, I know it's bad, Graham, just, just lay it on me. He's like, nah, nah you got to come in, bring Sasha. And I was like, just tell me. He's like, I can't. I was like, when should I come in? He's like, come in now. Oh, fuck. It's mm. like 8 a.m., you know. So I went in, 
And um, yeah, he um, he told me that it's probably um, yeah cancer for lymph nodes. Um, it's uh, late stage because there's a 16 centimeter tumor pushing on your like it's huge pushing on your um, lungs, my left lung and my heart. And that was just the basis of it because he just had that on the x-ray. He said, I don't know much more, but do you feel okay? And I said, oh, I'm not too bad. I just, um, you know, a bit breathless now. He's like, well, they were thinking about admitting you now because you shouldn't be standing. Wow. <laughs> I've been, yeah, I've been going to the gym and shit and things like that, eh? and, like brushing it off. And I was like, oh, shit. He's like, it's, it's like I, I see it's pretty bad, but it's treatable as far as I know. But he's just a GP. So, like, not saying anything against GPs, but he needed to go to a specialist basically mm. yeah so i mean i mean like i went to the specialist thought it would be oh you'd be all right be stage two or something i'll be all right get through this stage four oh bloody hell <laughs> you know because you hear about stage four and you reckon you're just you're done for you know so what what, what was going on that it was stage four um it was that 16 centimeter tumor there's um there was some around my heart as like there was fluid around my heart that was cancerous as well that was putting pressure on my heart there was um some in my some tumors in my neck and mm. at the time i didn't even think of it but like my neck was real hard like i had lumps in my neck and i now like i check myself like that there's lumps in my neck i could feel them mm. um and um there's uh there's some in my lungs and uh, some down by my um uh, my kidneys my kidneys yeah so widespread yeah, mm. so I was pretty pretty rooted. <laughs> um, but um, the doctor said, "Look, if if treatment goes well, this you can be like treated and cured, basically, wow. um, because the drugs have come such a long way. But it's going to be uh, a, a hell of a journey, basically." Um, and she it was really interesting because actually my first meeting with her was like, she was like a robot, and it sucked. Like I couldn't get any emotion out of her. Kind of felt like a like I don't know didn't feel very good but i now know that's because she didn't have enough answers we did all these tests and blood tests and things like that and um they actually took a lymph node out of my neck which they couldn't put me under for because there was so much pressure on my heart that um if i went under um, anesthesia i wouldn't they probably i probably wouldn't have woken up that's what they're saying so they're worried about that um so they cut into my neck while i was still awake which was pretty bloody interesting um but uh she when she had the answers she was a lot more she was a lot more emotional and um connected with me a lot better i think she never said this to me but i kind of worked out that she didn't have the answers to start with and she wanted to make sure that she was right with everything and um yeah and um the one thing that hurt me the most is that they that she they said that i wouldn't be able to have children but they said it just like that and i started crying um because we're trying for children at the time mm -hmm. and um but then she said if you go to the the, the sperm bank now before you start treatment, you better put stuff away. And um, that was, that was, yeah, that was, oh, I don't know, that just really hurt me. I don't know, as a man, you know, getting told that you'd be sterile after treatment, sort of, I don't know, that really got me. Even though I was sitting there facing stage four, <laughs> that one, I don't know, just really struck me, eh? So was that, that was in the, the raw first appointment, like? Yeah, that go, was. Better go down the hall now, or if you want kids, if you're pretty around. Much, pretty much, and we went down to Auckland, like straight away with the clothes on our back, I'm in Auckland, and he said, "Like I'd like you to stay, start straight away, as in like tomorrow or Monday." And it was like a Wednesday or Thursday, 
And I said, oh, stuff it, let's start tomorrow. And I, we stayed, we never went home seven months. We stayed in Auckland seven months from then on in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought, because I just had the thought, like they told me, like, you need to get onto this, you need onto this. I was like, oh, there's no point delaying this crap, you know, I've got to get into it. So, um, and I, uh, mentally, I was pretty good at that stage. Eh? I was like, I've got this, I'm not going to freaking um, pass away. But um, it, it got worse and worse, for sure. My mental state dropped out as, as I started to get weaker and everything like that. And the, the drugs started kicking in, uh, the dark thoughts started kicking in as well. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. It being such a rush, how do you how do you sort of pick a feeling? And like obviously, obviously you picked you picked right. Let's go, and then you gotta yeah. get treated get treated. Start feeling like shit and sit around for a while, and then all the other ones must start coming in. The bargaining, the doubt, the the yeah. depression, depression, the anger. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. You're right about the anger too. Eh? It was a it was a lot of why me, like feeling sorry for myself a lot. But then I thought, oh, what if this was your wife? And that made it quite easy because I was like, I'll take it for her. Um, you know, I'll take it for my family members, things like that. Um, and obviously, uh, the doctors told me that, like, being really healthy beforehand helped me a lot. Um, and that's part of it. Like, they said, part of why I started straight away, they said, you're losing condition really quickly. Because at that stage, I started losing weight. Mm. So you need to start now. And, and I felt that. So that's why I just thought, yeah, let's start, let's start tomorrow. Yeah, mm, yeah. Um, I remember. I always forget his name. Unfortunately, Joshy Coman is, is his name. He's down on the west coast, and he he was big on uh, trying to find because he had this graph for his host. So he connected with um, Wim Hof method to try and just really yeah. balance balance down his immune system. What were some adjunctives while while you've between therapies? What did you try and optimize? Uh, yeah, there was. I started off trying to be a, a vegan. Yep, <laughs> and I actually didn't mind at the start and like you know even even mentally if you think you're doing the right thing it's going to help a lot you know even Absolutely. If not, you know so i did that for a bit and then i thought shit man i'm not used to this food and it's i feel a bit weak you know why change things now let's get some protein back in your well you know meat back in your diet um and try and enjoy food for a little bit um, because food's going to make you happy as well. Like we had that, I had that sort of going through my head. Why don't, why don't I just enjoy myself a bit? But I eat well anyway, even though I, yes, I eat meat and all that sort of stuff, I eat really well. So let's just get all that stuff, hold your condition. So yeah, for a couple of months, vegan, well, maybe a month vegan. And mm -hmm. then I got back into eating high protein because I thought, man, I'm going to try and keep my weight on because um, I've seen a lot of people fade away and pass away. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, so that hit me hard. Okay, let's let's keep eating, keep getting food into your mouth, um, and also like funny enough, keep moving, keep walking. Um, I don't know where that came from. I'm just looking at my wife right now. I don't know where that came from, um, but oh, I just had this feeling of when people like slow down and really start to pass away, they just stop moving. Everything you know, the body thrives off movement. So even though I was feeling shit. I would always try and go for a walk. We walked around the park. We did all these, all these sort of things, um, just to just to feel good. So I did didn't do a lot to be honest because I was pretty rooted. But I did try and walk when I could and get some fresh air when I could. Um, There's also like it was in summertime, so it was really hard. Like I wasn't meant to be in the sunlight because all the radiation I was going through mm -hmm. and that. But I got a bit of warmth, got a bit of sunlight. You know, because sunlight is good for you. Um, and um, yeah. That I just I, I actually walked a lot of treatments with with my wife. I think a lot of those things helped because the more I sat still, the more I did, the more the less I did, 
the worst I felt about myself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I like for a good few months there, like there's a lot of sick people around when you go into the um, chemotherapy ward or the cancer ward. I'd always say to myself, like I'd try and be like a beacon of health to everyone. Like I'd walk in there with my chest real proud. I just kept repeating this sort of stuff. Um, and it sounds a little bit corny, I guess, but like I was like, oh, I always want to be the strongest person in the room, walk into that, that room. And um, that lasted a good while. That lasted, you know, like three or four months until I got, yeah, maybe five months until I got real ill and um, struggled to even get out of bed. But um, that definitely helped, I think. It got me through most of it. Um, man, I don't know, like every, because the chemo was so hard. Like I was like praying for it to stop every day. Eh? Like, mm. It just got harder and I felt real good after two months because a lot of the cancer was disappearing. This is the other thing. They said that they would downgrade my drugs um, because I was taking, I was basically this, it's called beer cop escalated. It's like the highest amount you can have. I had seven different chemotherapy drugs. Like most people when they do it, go through cancer, they might have one or two. Um, but I was having seven different compounds. And this is the reason why it works so well though. Like they basically bomb you. <laughs> Mm. with this stuff and um it's only a late treatment that's called oh, a treatment that's come out of germany in the late 2000 uh 2004 or five or something came out of germany and um i was obviously doing this research <laughs> yeah, I, was gonna, I was gonna ask you about it what, what year were you having this uh so this was five years ago now so 2018 yeah 2018 yeah, yeah so you you're obviously you've done done sort of research and stuff to get get to where you are how, yep. how much how much energy did you have to put into the books and the papers and the <laughs> like you said there's information everywhere yeah like, I'm, yeah i know i'm thinking oh. 2018 what, what was being circulated around like T- tim ferris was talking about fasting and getting yeah. dom degustino on and stuff like that like there's oh. one adjunctive then there's like um hyperbarics over there there's cold therapy over there there's like yes. say vegan over here and carnivals over there like far yes. out like, what do you do <laughs> i know there's a, yeah and that's what it, i was like oh <laughs> It was a bit of everything, and I think I was having turmeric and ginger as well. Yeah. Um, what's that? And fresh juices. I was actually, yeah, that's right. My um, <laughs> my uh, best mate's old man said I need to do squeezed juices, so I got this big bloody juice and did that. And the problem is, is like I got too sick to even like worry about this stuff. Then in the end, you know, like I was that bad that I had like all these ulcers down my mouth because my immunity was so low, and I was so rooted that. Um, I literally had to have like sago pudding and like yogurts and things like that just to get food in near the end. And so, yeah, I got, did a lot of research to start off with and pulled out what I can could. But I got so sick that it didn't even matter in the end, you know what I mean? Like I just had to sort of, yeah, go with the flow and whatever was happening was going to happen. And just that's what actually I think helped me in the end. I just trusted the doctors wholly that they're going to do their job. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys have been doing this stuff for many years. I've got a specialist behind me that is one of the best in the country who's been doing it for 35 years. Um, terrible bedside manner. Won't tell you you're going to be okay. Like, oh, no. Yeah, like, am I going to be okay? He's like, can't tell you that. <laughs> like, you know, can't even give you a pat on the back or anything. But, um, yeah, wholly trusted him and, um, yeah, it worked out. Yeah. So was it a matter, like you say, you were praying for it to be over? Was it a matter of showing up and just kind of then being like, "Here we go again, good luck"? Pretty much, man. It was like, "Hook me up, hook me up." <laughs> yeah, well, it was. I just had to. I wanted to stop. I did actually want to stop and say, "Like, keep it going." Like, we got through. Was it five five cycles? And I had to do seven cycles, I think, uh, from memory. 
Um, yeah, and by the sixth cycle, I was like, man, I'm so over this. Like, because you're just like real bloated, you're getting pumped through it full of this, like crap. Um, and like, it's so bad that when it goes through you and you get a bit of pee in the toilet seat, you have to clean it up like really well to clean up everywhere because that's radioactive and you're like, no one else can touch that shit, you know, and that's going through you. Um, it burns your veins. Like, I've got all my, all my vein, veins are burnt out on one of my arms. Um, when they miss a vein, they're just like searing pain. It just burns into your body. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like every day, I don't know why they didn't give me a line up here. They meant to give me a line up here, but they, because they said I had good veins to start with, they were just smashing my veins to start. So like I'd get pricks in my veins like every day. Like, so you're getting needed. And I, I don't like needles. I don't know who does, but <laughs> um, yeah, I was getting needles all the time, like, every, you know, pretty much every day, man. And um, and yeah, I'd get admitted to emergency all the time because I was so sick. Um, this, this, the, the drugs were effectively, yeah, the, destroying the cancer, but they're also destroying everything good in my body. So I would get sick, uh, very sick all the time. My heart rate would shoot up, my blood pressure would shoot up, and basically it's um, it's sepia, it's blood poisoning. So I was getting blood mm. poisoning like every couple of weeks and admitted into um, emergency. It was so bad. Like man, we had to like get my te- like temperature, take my temperature all the time because as soon as it hit like semi-bad like 38 38.5 i had to go straight to hospital and that just leveling anxiety eh? like i just be up all night just taking my temperature all the time like i just so anxious like just imagine being like anxiety 24 7 for like seven months mm. that's basically what it was like like you just a freaking wreck i think like i there was a time actually too like i was like i didn't want to go to sleep because i was scared that i wouldn't wake up in the morning mm-hmm. so I'd often just like stay awake till sunrise and then just let them like drift off. Um, you know, just sort of stuff that goes through your head. You just go through to like a mentally different place. So, yeah. So you said you were in Auckland for seven months. Mm. Where did you, where did you find sanctuary, man? That sounds real strange. Yeah, I. T- ah, man, that's a good question. Actually, I think I. I there was there's only those there was periods where I was like a bit like where I could relax. I think I had some people come in from the outside, which was like my dad, my mum, my wife, um, and her parents. When they came in and out and they talked about stuff on the outside and you know, it's what they're doing their day to day. That helped a lot, like a bit of normalcy, you know. Mm. Um, they often didn't ask you know how i was doing because it obviously obviously i was doing shit. <laughs> I, didn't look, I didn't look very good i'd lost like 30 kilos by then and it was pale white um so i think like for me it was the normalcy that helped that's where i could kind of relax i couldn't watch tv and, and I, I couldn't watch movies i had a playstation couldn't do any of that because i just couldn't like concentrate long enough and enjoy it because i just keep thinking back to like dying and cancer and am i going to live and um it wasn't a good enough distraction which is strange because it usually is for me like i I enjoy watching like youtube or i enjoy watching netflix i just couldn't do any of that i couldn't read i had all these books i I started reading and just yeah it wasn't enough it was people that i could you know my family that i could sort of lean on a little bit and um ask them about their day like even sash she was still working my wife was still working and she'd um tell me about what she's doing at work and 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 i wasn't you know stuff like that just helped a lot i guess mm. distracted me um yeah. yeah 
Was, was it a bit of vicarious living? <laughs> yeah, it was. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that, that, that's gnarly. So, like, you know, you, you said round six, it was like, fuck this. You know, two yeah. go, fuck this. Then you got through seven. Then, then what do they do to you? Like, yeah, it was. Is, is it a matter of go live your life and we'll check in on you? <laughs> yeah, it was interesting, eh? It was. It was actually a little bit like that. It was um, same thing. The specialist we went down there and um, he goes, oh, I spoke because I never actually had any um, uh, radiation. It was all, chem well, it was chemotherapy radiation. So um, I don't know the time the difference. Chemotherapy is the um, IV into your bloodstream whereas radiation is the direct you know the beams into your body um but i only had iv chemo because um i was quite young and where the the cancer was sort of um drawn into my chest if they shot my chest there's a very high chance of getting um, lung cancer mm -hmm. so they didn't know um, and that's when we got we got to the specialist appointment and i'd finished everything Fuck, this is a good feeling um, son of Phil, all right. Just got out of hospital, I should say. And um, and he goes, ah, oh, I suppose we should talk about radiotherapy. And I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, I thought we, I thought the plan was to just do chemo. And he goes, ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like that. And I'm still, like, still don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, whoa, like it scared the shit out. Of it. Like, what do you mean you don't know? And like I remember it clear as day, and then um, we were like a little bit like upset. And um, he goes, "Well, we got a meeting next week because they they have these meetings every week, and all these specialists come together and they put your case up on the board, and they discuss your case. And that happened like if they get, we had updates sort of biweekly from these these meetings. Um, and that's um, then that's where they he said, "Oh, we've got a meeting next week, um, and we'll discuss it then." So until then, um, you know, here's, here's a, this uh, medication you need to keep taking, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> it was so weird. So um, anyway, went off, came back next week, and oh yeah, we're just going to monitor you. You don't need uh, radiation um, purely because they do this like they they got this awesome machine now called a PET scan. Mm -hmm. um, anyone who's got sort of um, been through cancer will have that now. It's like this multi-million dollar machine. And it can show any activity through your whole body that's cancerous. And with my PET scan, basically I was um, PET negative. But with any kind of machine, there's a um, degree of inaccuracy. Mm. And so they give you this kind of percentage. Uh, and like my percentage was okay, um, pretty good. Um, and um, they were happy that this big sort of scar tissue that was draping over my aorta now that was originally this big bit of cancer, um, which, which is now like systolic-like, is uh, not cancerous. So um, go on with your life and we'll give you three months of bub and um, see how you go, basically. Um, Got to watch your first two years because that's when it can come back. Um, come back really, really quickly. Um, and then got to watch your, your five years after that because uh, it could still come back, but low chance, but very high chance in the first couple of years. So it's like, it's kind of like, it's bittersweet because the first two years you're looking over your shoulder every fucking five seconds, eh? Um, and like mentally, after being everything I've been, I'd been through in those last few months, I wasn't right for my first year anyway. I was a bit vacant because I had to be to kind of deal with it, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, my wife says that I was like a little bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I thought I was all right. 
but um yeah like it was just i think it was a coping mechanism though like i just was a bit vacant um a little bit emotionless and, and that for the first but i was i remember being pretty happy um that i was alive because i thought i wasn't going to make it in the end there i i originally said to myself i'll get through this treatment and if i get six months i'll be really happy you know that's what i just kept saying this just sort of got me through it um and um yeah, well, I'm five years now. I'm four, I was five years in March. So just gone five years. So just celebrated that. So I've done really well. And um, you know, I, one of the boys that was with me passed away. He didn't make it through his couple of years, I think. You know, so it's pretty real. It's pretty raw. Like, very, very lucky to be here. And um, I'm definitely a different person because of it. Absolutely. Far out. Yeah. Now that that scar tissue. What is that still? draped over your aorta at five years on or is that yes so it's still yeah, part yeah. of you Fuck. yeah still part of me yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and um you know if, if if it had been active active tissue they it would have done something by now i hope i supposedly <laughs> but um yeah they said not to worry about it and that which is pretty cool and because of the new machines you know like uh, I didn't have to have that radiotherapy, which in the past they would have blasted me with that radiotherapy and it would have been like, you know, a high chance of sort of getting lung cancer later in life. Um, which is, you know, it's pretty cool that they've got that sort of stuff. Like when you hear of cancer now, you think I'm done for. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's, the treatment options are pretty amazing now. Um, yeah. So uh, like that's what I try and tell people that are going through it is the, treat the doctors are pretty amazing. have lots of faith in them there are there are options and avenues you know and i'm obviously one of the lucky lucky ones but um i did all the right things before and then after as well i, th I think but in saying that some people can do all the right things before and after and still you know pass mm. away so it's not their, not entirely their fault does um bone marrow transplant ever need to come into it to it yeah they mentioned that and they said um do you have a brother and sister that sort of thing because they're usually pretty good matches um my because i did they did this big copy escalated and it did so well um and it didn't come back obviously um it was um not mentioned again basically which i i believe if it came back that would be then that would be the only option mm -hmm. um, because i've had such high levels of chemotherapy i don't know if people know this i didn't know this you can't just have it again it won't mm -hmm. work your body's like too adaptive your cells are too adaptive they know um, yeah. and, um they'll fight it they'll fight against it basically so like your good cells will literally fight against it and they won't let yeah, yeah they won't let it um basically infect your body like it should do yeah. um and i didn't know that until i started getting treatments i was like, no wonder why people pass away because you get to a point where they they can't do anything for you because it's not working you know and for yeah. like that's the other thing why they keep checking me like they check i was really lucky because in my first couple of cycles basically i'd gone from like all this like crap like all these red spots they had to show you the scan red spots everywhere all this cancer to having uh you know bugger all left in my body after a couple of cycles so it had done really well i done its job basically mm -hmm. but they had to keep hammering me with it instead usually they would have downgraded like which this is a specialist specialist call they decided to just keep going hammering me with it because i was in pretty good shape for a cancer patient that's <laughs> <laughs> caveat right? for a yeah it is, it is absolutely. Like it's, like, it's round six fuck this like, yeah, yeah, you do well mate oh what <laughs> <laughs> but basically you know 
if I had downgraded, there's a chance if there's a chance of like one percent of cancer, two percent of cancer left in my body because I, they had downgraded. This, this is how it comes back, you know. And mm-hmm. so the nurse was always saying to me, the specialist nurse was saying, to, you know, it's short term gain, not short term pain for long term gain. She just kept saying it to me every day because you know that it was going to be a short term pain. It's going to be a lot worse, yes, but long term your outlook's going to be so much better if you just get hammered with this high level stuff. Mm-hmm. When you said that third round, you're starting to feel better. Was that just like getting your breath back and getting your circulation back? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Breath back, circulation. Um, I don't really, like by the time I got treated, I couldn't lie on my back because the weight of the tumor was like pushing on my lungs and my heart. Wow. So by the time I got treated, I couldn't actually sleep on my back. When I bent over, I felt this huge weight like throw me forward in my chest. It's just all this like this massive tumor in my body, eh? Um, yeah, and like. I read back on the notes and it's it's not none of it's good like you have this they give you like a score out of like i think it's out of seven or something like that i think mine was a six oh, yeah, like it's pretty like it's as bad as it gets pretty much hans cleaver i think the one that's one thing that saved me was uh my age or something like that that brought the score down yeah. but you know it was it was bad to be a male check <laughs> yeah like all these blood scores that were you know i had all these bad blood scores and stuff so um uh, it was good like at that time i didn't know all this stuff so it was quite good because you know less information was kind of more of that sort of stuff at that time and um they didn't actually show me my scan my original scan mm. it was um it was shocking really shocking eh yeah all this cancer through my body and that i'm lucky they didn't show me because i wouldn't i wouldn't have liked it yeah yeah, the main, in hindsight, which is always twenty twenty, the ambiguity probably like gave allowed you to have hope in yourself. But maybe yeah. if that showed you, like this is how shit things are, you would have gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I'm dead. laughs> oh man, oh man. So like, obviously, you've nuked your lymph lymph nodes and stuff. What was what was the runway for getting your immune system back? Yeah, um, so um, I actually went to. Fiji as soon as I got a little bit healthier um, and I reckon this helped me a lot I just having like super unprocessed food uh, fruits over there and lived quite simply for my my, my nan is actually my nan and granny live in Fiji um, and um, getting a lot of a lot of sunlight a lot of warmth I, I stayed away from New Zealand in winter because I was so scared of getting sick all the time and my immunity was real bad like my white blood cell count even now five years later it's still not great um um so i i don't actually tend to get sick very easy which is quite good i still like it's my immune system is pretty good but basically i went over to fiji to eat really good food relax for a little bit um uh try not to stress too much um got a lot of sunlight swam a lot you know all the things that you do on holiday but i did it for you know sort of eight to ten weeks Mm-hmm. and um, had that turmeric and ginger which helped i think helped a lot um i just kept smashing that um had vitamin c as well i didn't have any infusions which some people have asked me about and um i, I don't know why i didn't actually go through oh i think i was a sick of needles yeah just like over it i was just over getting poked and prodded i didn't i just hated the thought of being sitting on an iv after been doing it for the last seven months you know mm-hmm. so i didn't do any of that i actually got into the gym as soon as i as soon as i could 
I was training over there and there and did lots of walks. And um, man, I bounced back so quick, like unbelievably. And I can't, like, I can't tell people enough, like how how well, like it's it's almost unbelievable how well I bounced back. Like if you see pictures and stuff, you you almost think I'm faking the timeline. Um, it's it's ridiculous. Like, and I I don't say that to many people. Like I, I feel like I'm being arrogant, like or cockish, but it's stupid. I remember putting a couple of pictures on Instagram and stuff, and people were like, no way, like you're on drugs. I was like, I can't be on drugs, man. Like I've just come out of cancer ward. Like, <laughs> like people didn't believe me. It's just I think being in Fiji helped a lot. Being fit beforehand, you know, all that sort of stuff. The bounce back was just so much easier. Yeah, man, it's it's pretty pretty incredible. I, I was scrolled back through your page and I was like trying to exactly that, trying to yeah get the timeline timeline right. You, you're exactly right, mate. So yeah. prior prior to the timeline, Freddie Fittler, what's he like? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rookie. Well, well, how the how yeah. did you do that? <laughs> yeah, that was that was cool, man. Um, that was like my 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 brother actually said, "Hey, man, this is." league thing for um <laughs> what did he say not has been it's the other thing like never was like people never made it <laughs> like that's how he sold them to my brother it's like you should well like you said you like you said at high school you just didn't have the aggression so you were playing nah. golf <laughs> yeah played golf yeah and I, I i really enjoyed watching league played a bit of union in in western australia and um i thought oh yeah oh, I, and I was really fit at the time um just like you because i worked away in the mines i used to just train um six seven days a week um for basically my stress you know like my anxiety and my just my stress levels and everything i just love training to, to get rid of that and um yeah into this rookie thing um and they I, I made the first cut they flew me to sydney and um did like a fitness trial basically and um pushed myself till i just about i always say until I shake myself just basically <laughs> in this fitness trial um and Freddie Fittler um Brad Fittler yeah, basically like took a took a shining to me he just you know he I was about 100 kilos those guys there and he just said it's the, the push that I had is amazing and then I had another interview and um made the final final cut basically to go into this rookie house in Sydney to get trained by these guys awesome experience man so cool so lucky like go through that eh? and so did they chuck you in the centers <laughs> yeah they wanted me to start in the centers and um i was a little bit flat-footed <laughs> so um they chucked me at prop and right, yeah um to be Warrior honest Hargrave styles yeah that actually suited me better and i really enjoyed man i enjoyed it it was you know just making so many tackles a game like a lot more I don't know. I wish I played league a lot earlier. Um, union Union was okay, but because of my personality, like I need to have contact. Early, I needed to have contact early on. Um, I needed to be involved a lot, and I felt that I had that with league. You know, at prop, making forty tackles a game, opposed to being at eight or six in Union when you're making six or seven tackles in a good game. It's a lot. You know, it's a lot different. It kept me in the game. It kept my aggression up. Otherwise, like I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm a bit like a sleepy giant when I've, you know, I just need to be woken up a little bit. And league did that to me. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that's, that's, that's that's like you. You're right when it comes to eight and six. Like I always wanted to play seven, um, yeah. and that's because 
like you're off that that set piece and you're into yes. it and you, then you're like having an influence and hopefully you can pop out and get to the next one as well whereas especially if it sticks you're like out of it out of it out of it until it comes back your way and like yeah. when, I, when i went to australia that was i shouldn't have really played i had concussion but they chucked me in that lock and i was like this sucked <laughs> i might as well go back to playing fullback and just watch the game again <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah no, yeah whereas prop exactly right you you watch you watch the guys especially in those first few you know 20 minutes or something i was, I was watching yeah. um oh geez what is it what is his bloody name played for played for the bulldogs and then the roosters he's on a podcast now oh my, my memory today is crap um, <laughs> Anyway, he, he was just like going on. He, they mocked him up one game, and he was just going, "I'm a 21 minute player. I'm overdue. I'm working overtime now." <laughs> <laughs> Willie Mason, bloody hell! How oh, Willie Mason, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that mocked up game. He was hilarious. He was awesome. Yeah, uh, and I think on the podcast I was saying they're saying that they played each other, and just like that's um, is it Scope or? Skip whatever his bloody name is. He was just saying, like, don't, don't talk. To, whatever you do, don't talk to Willie. Then the, the, the Knights put over a bomb, and the winger dropped it, and then so then they had a scrum. And he just comes in and goes, "Wingers, eh?" And like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. everyone's pissing yeah. themselves laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that, was it? Was there a prop that was one of the coaches or? Um, to... Yes, there was. Uh, geez, um MG, what's his um, M, what's his uh, Mark Iyer? Guy, yeah. yeah, that was right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was, he was awesome. He was pretty cool. He's, um, yeah, it was. I, I felt like I, 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 um, I got a pretty good ride there. Eh? Like, I think, um, Brad actually, um, took a liking, liking to me. That's sort of how I got in in there. I think I don't know, but um, yeah, lucky with my body and that, and um, I was real fit at this that stage, and I didn't realize, man, like, the getting behind the ruck, the ten meters with league. Mm -hmm. like yeah if you get repeat sets like if one of the boys like you know freaking um touches the ball and you get a repeat set like it was horrible way eh? i've never felt anything like that in union ever you know like maybe hitting a couple rucks in a row and then making a tackle in union but to do like repeat sets and getting back 10 meters behind the ruck like hats off to those league boys though there's so much it looks slow on tv I don't. I mean, for me, I don't know. I don't. When I was watching on TV, I know you, it leagues faster on t faster, but it didn't look that bad. Whenever I watched league, I was like, oh man, those guys are like walking back, you know? Like them. <laughs> um, so much harder. I remember I went and played a uh, a tens tournament in Byron Bay. Um, afterwards, Union, and I was like, this is easy. Like, I was <laughs> so easy compared to like playing, you know um league um with just getting just behind the ruck you know that 10 meters is fucking horrible and if you're in the involved in the tackle how hard is it to get that dominant position so that you can pop up and get into marker did you learn yeah. enough of that <laughs> yeah it was it was so hard i eh? <laughs> yeah i was like real crap at wrestling um there's a lot to it i didn't realize it was that you know that much to it like i was wrestling against guys uh, we had actually wrestling practice as well with the uh, wrestling coach and that, but I was wrestling against guys that were 15 kilos lower than me and they were like flipping me on my back easy, eh? And um, definitely a lot to it, a lot to it, man. And if you get get your position on their back, slow down the play of the ball, makes it so much for easier, uh, so much easier for everyone around you, yourself getting back at the marker, you know. Um, but yeah, if you don't get in the right position, 
you get back to the marker and you get the next prop running at you probably because you're slow to mark sucks <laughs> <laughs> absolutely sucks yeah, and you gotta get in line and fuck yeah go, go too early then it's like you say repeats it's yeah. oh yeah man Not so bad, yeah. yeah so who did, you, who did you play against um we played like New South Wales. like i remember we played like a uh oh actually and in queensland we played like these um representative sides i don't know there were different types of levels and that but um we played it you know we went down to melbourne and played um they're like 20 they had i don't know if they have the 20s anymore they had like the under 20s melbourne team mm -hmm. uh we like um and that was that was interesting actually like they were really huge eh? they were huge but because they were younger like they were just a bit easy to bully you know like they were big boys big island boys um you know like like a lot of them over 100 kilos and running really well and hard but just because they were younger they were they were easier to sort of throw around that but then we played this like representative which had some old um league players in the team and i mean i thought oh, this would be an easy match <laughs> they carved us up eh? they're real hard you know like they, they bullied us they put us in you know bad positions kicking it behind us got us against repeat sets and they just played the game like really well so that's when you like i started to understand about that sort of you know that that knowledge that rugby knowledge and all that just helps for so much harder older bodies you know used to you know better at timing tackles and things like that even though they might not have been as strong as and as big as these younger guys they were better at timing tackles than hurting you <laughs> yeah and uh yeah that was a rude awakening i remember that yeah no it's a, it's a pretty pretty fascinating game where you, where you see just people do a held up and kind of go to ground and then other times You'll see the one, two, and the third over the top, and you go, Jesus Christ, I don't want to be out there. <laughs> yeah. Big shots in league, man. Big shots. Oh. Eh? I know it's a big difference. Um, because obviously you get a lot of one off running in there. Yeah. Uh, you get people flying out of line that you don't see a lot as well. Um, big, big shots. And I used to love that. Like there was some huge content. And you obviously you get away with tackling a bit higher in league as well, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, you can <laughs> you can push the envelope a little bit. It's funny, man. Like Brad Fitter, like I had to hide a couple of guys and um, got penalties, but he like liked it. He liked the aggression, just that, just that, that blue collar that you kind of get in league, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, that's right. Especially when when you're the uh, W half and you're running around, you, he wants to see his big boys doing damage. <laughs> yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Who did you play for in Byron? um there was like a crew from um queensland i like i got because i was in the rookie now i just got hit up by heaps of clubs around and i think it was like um oh, man, i can't remember like there's this guy from queensland that pulled a lot of boys in the representative side that they they brought down and um yeah i don't know, I, I think i just turned up on the day and played for them to be honest they were training and stuff but i just come back from rookie so i couldn't obviously train with them and that and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll play for you guys. And um, yeah, end up making some good friends from that. <laughs> and that's when we were moved, I think we moved to Gold Coast at the time. So it suited me. Yeah. What was your first ruck like? Were you like, <laughs> play the ball? <laughs> Where'd I go? <laughs> On the side. Beep. Yeah, roll away. Wow. <laughs> 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 oh, no, that's pretty good. And what, what sort of stuff did you pick up at the Gold Coast? Like, I, I lived in, in Ballina and just just the lifestyle, like, 
we, we were uh, 5 a.m. class. I was, I was getting up at 4.30, going to class, then then go to the beach, go to work. Like we'd, after after class, we'd go and have a coffee and stuff because it's still, you know, 6 a.m. And, yes. you know, sun, sun's coming up and just that lifestyle of down down on the water and things like that. What, what, would you, what did you pick up in, in Gold Coast? Because well, plenty, plenty of people um, around Ballina and Byron Bay, they went over to like Bay of Islands and stuff and, and, and around Northland and they'd come back and be like, oh, it's just like Byron was 20 years ago. And you're like, oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, oh, man, I love the cafe lifestyle over there, eh? And like you say, the sun would come up so damn early. Um, I remember, yeah, I just remember, you know, daylight sa- no daylight savings and you're on the border of New South Wales and that. And like sort of 5 a.m., everyone's out and about running and stuff. I, I really enjoyed that active culture there. Mm-hmm. Um, the cafes, unreal cafe lifestyle, like go for a walk down sort of Broad Beach and then Burley and mm-hmm. go for a coffee and all that sort of stuff. I love that. Eh? But um, I, I felt like it was a real transient community and quite clicky, hard to sort of, you know, get like it's real social, but at the same time, it's hard to get real close with people. Well, not mm-hmm. like what I felt here in Auckland, you know. Um, yeah. I felt like it's pretty easy to make real strong connections, which I, maybe that's my fault in the Gold Coast, but um, yeah, I didn't really make uh, very, very strong connections there. Yeah. Um, and coming home, what what drove drove you home? Um, my missus was actually tried to leave me. Oh, <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She um, she she came home, and oh well, she yeah, she's like, I'm going home. I'm going to Kyoto, and I was like. Stay in Australia, isn't it? Loving yeah. it. I think I was, I was just partying a bit as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I was like, uh, after a month, I think I stayed for a month. Um, and I was like, oh, nah, I'll, I'll go back, go back and um, um, be with Sash. And um, ended up, you know, having the best New Zealand summer ever. And you know, it can be New Zealand summer is pretty unbeatable when it's good. And I thought, oh, yeah, I could be pretty happy here. And and, and lucky I did because, you know, six months later, I body came down with cancer and that and got treated so well with the New Zealand mm-hmm. system. So I've got nothing good to say. I mean, nothing bad to say about how well I was treated through that whole whole process of being sick in that, you know, because it was so quick and efficient. So in the end, it was a good decision to come back, I think. Um, yeah, the treatment I got offered in... in um, in New Zealand costs 600 grand in the US. So um, you can imagine, like, if even if I was in Australia, I think things might have been different, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's mm. Yeah. And, and prior to that, what, what did you do in the mines and how did you? Um, yeah, I, I worked in um, oil and gas construction and um, actually loved it. Like, I worked for a Dutch company for many years, um, bringing in all these modular systems from korea they everything gets like sort of welded up in korea and like a big modular system like all the piping and everything like that and um gets brought on these docks and we used to pull them off from the dock off the docks and onto site like so like our biggest lift was sixty thousand tons wow. some huge stuff yeah, yeah like we, i think we had australasia's biggest lift at the time through this company um working on a billion dollar you know multi-billion dollar projects um in australia it's um yeah huge gas plants up up in um, western australia and um, it was pretty cool work at the time, good money, but away a lot. And I think that didn't help, you know, back home. 
<laughs> Classic man. So you, you said, said there at the start that you've got a, got a crew of people together up there in Kitty Kitty that'll do anything for you. Um, yep. where, did the, where did the idea for this turf, um, was it turf games? Turf games? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, 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 what have they got to do there? Um, yeah. Well, we, I, we literally, um, I don't know how it came about. I think someone sent it to me on Instagram. Look at this. Mm. Looks cool. And I thought, oh, maybe a crew would be keen to do that. And then bloody 24 people looking and like all these people putting their hand up. And I was like, oh shit. So um, yeah, we've made teams for that. And um, basically the team is six, three females, three males. Um, and it's basically, it's trying to like take over CrossFit a little bit. It's CrossFit without the gymnastics, which mm -hmm. is basically how I, uh, my training as well and how we do um, at our gym. We, we do, we basically do like powerlifting, um, uh, a little bit of Olympic lifting, a little bit of bodybuilding, um, and obviously our conditioning as well. Mm -hmm. um, in my opinion, the best way to train, you know, all those aspects. And, 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 you know, gymnastics only suits like a small percentage of people. And if you haven't got the mobility or the limbs for it, you're pretty well stuffed. Um, and, you know, it suits everyone. We can You could train a 70-year-old in that way or, you know, a 20-year-old, and they can both get a good workout out of it. Um, I think, like, you know, CrossFit's great with the community and all that sort of stuff, but it doesn't suit the average punter, which is um, a, a good reason why I, why I think it's probably dying out a little bit. Um, and you get those overuse injuries from repetitive barbell work. So whenever we do, bar, like, barbell work, we don't really do very high repetitions of it because you can imagine you're doing 100 reps of a snatch. Do you think how many of those are going to be good form, you know? Um, and it's not CrossFit's fault, but it's just, um, you know, where the, I think where the breakdown is a little bit. Yeah, I was, I don't know why, but I was trying to, trying to program back snatches and I was doing like one, 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 one. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Because exactly that, I was like, why don't I get my snatch smooth and efficient and yes. the best it, best it can be? Because exactly that, you like get, get to those higher weights and then your form breaks down and you go, oh, and then, and it wasn't until I like managed to get one bit moving right and then create a, the next movement that I realized that oh, I'm doing that movement wrong too. Just because yes. I've done, done so many, like you say, average reps that then yeah. when you go to do perfect reps and you go, ah, oh, they're not right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So a lot of our, like my, our conditioning stuff um, will be done with a lot of the machines where it's just a bit safer, you know, um, and uh yeah you well you're gonna you're not gonna hurt yourself doing a 500 meter sprint on the rower opposed to doing 100 you know snatches i, I don't know why i'm using that but like all like 100 pull-ups or anything like that you know what i mean mm -hmm. um you're gonna best likely get overuse injury stuff as well yeah yeah How, what what sort of age bracket have you got in, in your gym oh man yeah so i think i brought up 69 because that's how well I, we've got a 69 year old's our oldest eldest and there's a couple which are amazing and our youngest is 14 nice. um, and these they're coming to classes and all that sort of stuff so they're the, yeah it's a huge huge age gap um so we'll make sure we cater to everyone which isn't too hard really because you just kind of change weights and change targets change intensity within a class if it's programmed properly it's not too hard i, I, I don't think um because i get that question asked a lot oh i'm not fit enough to come to your class not strong enough i'm like Oh, we got two 69 year olds. Like, I'm pretty sure that I could find a spot for you. <laughs> uh, and this would be like a 40 year old telling me, you know? 
Yeah. Um, um, but these two are amazing. They are. And uh, yeah, if they can do it, anyone can do it, man. <laughs> I was asking about that strap. Does everyone have a strap in the class? Yeah, yeah. So, well, not everyone. We've, I've basically, so what I've done is I've got it for cost off my zone. And I've just like, no, I just said, look, guys, I'm not going to make any money out of this. I want everyone to have one if you want one. Um, and so we've got like one of the best uptakes out of any club, basically. That's what the Mizone rep told me. I think there's like, there's a big lot of us. I think there might be 60 or 70 of us. So more than half the club have them. Um, and um, it's pretty cool. Like, we've, you've got like a top 20 leaderboard it's it's they're awesome at the same time they create like some unnecessary training as well because people are, <laughs> people are pushing it instead of uh instead of uh program going into yeah. the program yeah. Oh, yeah exactly yeah like we'll have people like do the class program and then they're like they'll come back in the afternoon and do more you know because it, it pushes their points up and there's a leaderboard there and everything um <laughs> Which isn't like the, a detriment to some of them, but some of them, you know, it's um, they're already lean, they're quite strong, and then it's going to just—it's basically just going to make them tired for like the next day. They're not going to recover well. Um, mm. So you've got the opposite problem happening, eh? Like you got people training too much. <laughs> yeah, I was cracking up. Eddie Dawkins, who is E45 down in Christchurch, had it. They went for a seven k run. Him and his partner yesterday, and he was—he was pushing heart rates of like I think averaged with one fifty nine and pushing into the one eighties. That are like Eddie, mate, you're into your thirties now, bro. You're, you're pushing the red line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With that zone two, mate, one twenty. Get down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I never have read anymore, eh? Like hardly ever. Yeah. I'll be lucky to get there, yeah, once every couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, I'm, I miss my heart rate monitor. I need to, I need to reinvest in, in something. Then, and because exactly that, I'll, I'm sort of doing zone two based on if I can hold nasal breathing while I'm out for a run, then I'm probably yeah. in the right spot. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to get some calibration or go out and sprint, sprint, sprint the hill out in front of me a couple of times and see how high it goes. And then you work off that or something like that. You know, I love I don't, that. Don't I, not so keen on the old finger prick testing the lactate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can we get that in New Zealand? Oh, it's probably one of those things. You go to the pharmacy and they're like, you want a what? A lactate? Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they would understand <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> I know it was hard enough, even as a non-diabetic, going, oh, I see that um, glucose monitor over there. Can I get one of those? No, no, you're not allowed to be Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool. Um. Yeah, while, while I was asking on that sort of uh, age bracket, do, do people sort of have goals of, of being fit and strong for life? Like, that, that's pretty inspirational, a couple of 69-year-olds yeah, um, um, working on things. I, I, I'm coming across, like, more and more people having that. Um, um, there's some, like, quite motivated people that I've come that are at our gym that are, you know, 55, 60 um that are they talk like that and mm. they're saying all the right things you know they're like they're, they're seeing their friends slow down they don't want to slow down but they're generally people that have kept quite active anyway and they don't and they really don't want to lose it like i just think off another lady off the top of my head she's 60 and she's like in really good really good nick and, and actually starting to push some awesome weights because she's kept herself in such good nick and she moves so well and she's so into it but she's like oh i'm just noticing my friends can't um, when we go on holiday, they can't do these walks, mm -hmm. can't do these things that you know that um, that I that I want to do. Um, and their holidays are cr like crap, you know. They just sit by the pool and <laughs> sip cocktails and that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and funny enough, the sixty-nine-year-olds 
I just took them to Thailand, and um, I don't know if you know about this place called Chalong, where um, they've got Tiger Muay Thai, and they call it Fighting Street, and um, a lot of these gyms. It's my favourite place in the world. <laughs> it's just um, like one strip that's about three k long with all these protein bars and restaurants that serve macro macro friendly foods, and um, or all these kickboxing gyms, weightlifting gyms, and boot camp stuff as well. I took them there, and we trained twice a day for two weeks. And we did a few runs up into the bushes and stuff. They're 69 years old. They did all the stuff with us, and they were completely fine, no injuries. They were fit enough that they enjoyed the classes. They didn't want to do any of the, the real – There's a, there was like a couple of real hard classes. I took the the guy, one of them. I just about died in one of them because, you know, it's like 40 degrees as well. Eh? It's a real, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was a hard class. And um, he was like – he, he was like, oh, we'll just stick to the other ones, eh, for the rest of the holiday. I was like, yeah, no, nah, fair enough. Like, I'm keen for that. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, they really enjoyed their holiday, and they were amazing. And, oh, it's, man, for me, I'm like, I want to be like you guys. Like, you guys don't know how awesome you are. I am 35 next month. And to think that I'm in 30, I've got 34 more, like, good years, and then when I'm that, and you can, guys can still do this, like, I want to do that, man. That's, like, they look like, they could do that for at least another few years, you know, like this is strong. I come to class every day. Like the old fellow, he, he, um, did lifted 140, wow. um, like a month back and he had a bad back for years. And when he first came to me, he couldn't even like barely pick 50 kilos off the ground. So like they've just done that over a couple of years, you know, being consistent, um, fucking inspirational, man. Like that's, that's the ticket right there. I reckon. Absolutely, mate. It's like oh, the internet's great because you can see all these people. Like yeah. I follow, I follow Derek Woodski, and then there's like Jocko Willink and Cameron Haynes, obviously Rogan and things like that. Peter Adair, yeah. and I'm just like got all these things. And then you know, we've got Darren Ellis. I'm sorry to call you throwing the L pole, Darren, but like <laughs> he's, he's, doing, <laughs> he's doing the forty to fifty age bracket, and like yeah, I've just started to find a few more guys around the country that are sort of in their thirties going right. We're not. We're not training for something anymore, but we've got to yeah. keep keep strong and keep active. And, and and yeah, it's just good that that that's that's out there, and, and hopefully it inspires. <laughs> like I love people like that because there's no bloody excuse. <laughs> exactly, and I and it's so good because I can I can use them in just about every class. Like, and I feel <laughs> badly, like if a 69 year old lady's beating you, like something wrong. Like, get up, you know. Like <laughs> it's such an easy like like no one can argue with that, you know. It must be great for the fourteen-year-old as well to just like remove the ego as well. Like, yeah. I, I was definitely guilty as, as a young one, just be like, go hard, and then you might blow out. But you know, and then and then it'd be great to be then lapped or like just see the way that they finish it and be like, oh, yes. I've, I've blown it. So maybe I need to pace myself a bit better. Or yeah. you know, those those sorts of lessons will come around fast, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, nice man. So, uh, you Kitty Kitty, where where are people finding you? Can can people from outside of the region tap into what you're doing? Or yeah, yeah, my, I think like a, I've like I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, I just uh, at GJ Hill underscore PT, but um, I'm doing a lot of stuff on our our, our fitness lab um, Instagram. Funny, I'm doing a lot on our fitness lab um, Instagram now, and that's just that fitness lab. Um, Jeez, I don't even know what it is actually. <laughs> How bad we'll is that? It. 
We'll get yeah. it in the show notes. Don't worry, mate. Yeah. Uh, I just, but I just like, I feel like the gym has become and the people has become so important to me. And um, I'm doing a lot on there now. Eh? And it's, um, I'm just trying to educate through that that platform now. Awesome. Um, I guess the, I think it's more like, I don't know, it feels like it's more pure and more fitness. Whereas my, my personal Instagram, you know, might attract a lot of followers because it's like, shirtless photos and stuff like that i don't know you know just <laughs> dumb stuff like that you know yeah sure, <laughs> I'm sure I'm post on my personal my personal page now because i don't I, want I to i'm sam sam kane even asked you if you owned a shirt there oh yeah <laughs> what a fair, mate. I, I wanted to yeah of course you'd say that i was like waiting for someone to say something like that of course he he would notice something like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was good quality mate so you've been through shitloads. Um, yeah. And like you, like you said, there was moments there where you just wanted it over with and didn't want to do it anymore. Now you're through all that, you know, life is is, is on on where you'd hoped it would be. Um, what keeps you in flow, man? What Do you have a mantra or a way you live your life or some sort of quote that's in the back of your mind that shows up in those good times now? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really have a mantra like that, but one thing that's really really um helped me or given me so many good days is even just like um thinking about the the people that have passed and how lucky i am and how fortunate i am to be here but you know like you only have to look just beside you to see someone who's way less fortunate we worry about so many things that aren't significant you know um and uh i i like even like like day to day, I I think I, I find happiness and actually helping people in the gym even that have that you can tell are just mentally like struggling. They'll come in and they won't say hello to you properly or something like that. And um, I think I find a lot of joy and even that it lifts me a lot if I can just try to change that attitude when they come through the door. And it's not just a gym; it's anywhere. Like I've, but I think going through that sickness has actually helped me be that person because I think before that I was a bit more selfish and actually thought like. Um, I know I didn't really care, but um, I don't want to say I didn't care about anyone else, but I didn't have that empathy, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, spreading a bit, a bit of happiness or a bit of love, is, it definitely helps heaps. It helps, you know, you feel like shit the rest of the day. If you say something good to someone and have a nice conversation to pick someone up, you'll absolutely feel good for the rest of the day. You will, 100%. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just connecting with people, man. I, I, I have to say, just connecting with people helps a lot. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time on a on a Monday evening. And um, I'll let, you, cool, uh, <laughs> I'll let you get back to your beautiful wife, and hopefully, uh, is, is your child off the bed, or or he's still got to still get some time there. Oh yeah, he's um off to bed. He's a, he's a bit grizzly. <laughs> he should have yeah. lost the time. Oh no, yeah, he'll he'll be away for sure. <laughs> nice man. Thank you so much.